we were in the courthouse and the judge that day said, this is a big deal in Canada. You know why? Her granny is sitting in court and her granny was a truce Canadian living on the Lambit because of a government policy. She spent 13 years in, in residential school. And when she came out, she couldn't go to university and she couldn't hire a lawyer. But today her mm-hmm. granddaughter is going to be a lawyer. You are loved by God. Well, welcome to See Here Love in for this incredible conversation, our Indigenous voices. And I have two incredible women with me, amazing, wonderful, dynamic influencer, world changers, Holly Forche and Stephanie Joyce Styers. Woo-hoo-hoo! Welcome, ladies. Welcome. This conversation I know is going to be... It's going to be deep. It's, I, I already know it's going to be emotional, but I also know I'm going to learn a lot. We're going to learn a lot from you. So thank you so much for, for being with with me today. Holly, I know you're, where are you, Holly? Uh, in Alberta. Yeah, I'm between Calgary and Banff, close to Banff. Banff. Yeah. Close to Banff. And Stephanie, you are? Six Nations, Southern Ontario. In Ontario. Southern Ontario, and I'm in Burlington, Ontario. So uh, we're coast to coast to coast across Canada here for this conversation. But before we get into your bios and questions, I, I want to do land acknowledgement, a land acknowledgement of where each one of us is is present, is is coming from today. I think it's really important that we do. And so, Holly, why don't we start with you with your land acknowledgement, where you are, and then Stephanie, and then I'll share mine from Burlington. Well, thank you, Tanse. I'm so happy to be here. And I love that we do land acknowledgements as proper protocol whenever we start off a meeting to acknowledge whose traditional territory we're on. When you think of it, you know, um, Canada's been here for a couple hundred years, but we have been here for time immemorial. And I'm actually doing a documentary right now that's a land acknowledgement. So while the land acknowledgement is um, being spoken, there's images of the land. So let's not just do like a ritual of the land acknowledgement, you know, just like we're here. Let's think about the land. And so mm-hmm. it's so beautiful here at my cabin. I'm in the traditional territory of the Blackfoot people who are Gaina, Sika, Bigani, and also Sutina and Stony Nakoda. And so we honor ancestral lands. And so thank you so much for um, allowing us to do that today. Thank you, Holly. It's beautiful. And Stephanie, your land acknowledgement for where you are. Sago, everyone. My name is Stephanie Joy Styers. I'm from Six Nations of the Grand River Territory, Haudenosaunee Mohawk Nation Turtle Clan. My land acknowledgement is a bit different. And I speak for my reality or truth. I speak respectfully and honorably as I acknowledge my homeland and my reality. Today, please think about who first lived on the land you're standing, sitting, or lying on right now. We know that Columbus did not discover the North America, nor did the Europeans who preceded him. This land was, and still is, Turtle Island, already inhibited from time immemorial by thriving traditional territories and confederacies of indigenous people and and we well we're still here in spite of intense and prolonged attempts by church and state to destroy assimilate and colonize us we're still here all i'm asking you to do is remember remember this with us today i challenge you to be part of the solution and not part of the problem if everyone does their point 
part, sorry, educate, share, celebrate, we can create a ripple effect and then a wave of healing over the nation-to-nation treaty agreements that currently exist. Nawa, nawa wen, gunalunkwa, just love. Thank you, Stephanie. Beautiful. And I am in Burlington, and I would like to acknowledge the land on which I sit, lie, and gather today as part of the treaty lands and territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit. This territory is mutually covered by the Dish of One Spoon Wampum Belt Covenant, an agreement between the Iroquois Confederacy, the Ojibwe, and other allied nations to peaceably share and care for the resources around the Great Lakes. And so I thank you, Stephanie and Holly, for your land acknowledgement. And I believe that all, I I really do, I believe all meetings and conversations started in land should have a land acknowledgement. And so I so appreciate that. But before we get into our conversation, I have to introduce you to the world. (laughs) Because wow, wow, and wow, Holly and Stephanie, my goodness. Okay, so I'm reading out your bios and I'm like saying to my husband, Oh my goodness, we have world changers, influencers coming on this conversation. And I am, I'm honestly, I'm blown away and I'm humbled. So I'm going to, I didn't take really anything out, but I I just have to, I'm going to say a lot. So it is going to be a little bit long because I think it's so important to celebrate what you have accomplished, what you have done, what you've journeyed through, the hard work that it has taken for, for you to create uh, wow, uh, your your businesses and your presence in key places. So here we go. Let me gush, receive the gushing, Holly and Stephanie. And I really, as I say this, it is a celebration of you as a woman, as an indigenous woman. Uh, yeah, so here we go. So Holly Forche is a Cree Dene from Fort McKay, First Nation, Alberta, born in Treaty 7 territory. I love this. Both of you are businesswomen. Both of you are entrepreneurs, and I love that. As an entrepreneur myself, I it's like, yes, girl, boss women, we're making things happen, and I love that kind of women. Maybe that's why I just love the two of you, because I love women that see a need and make things happen. So, Holly, you own the business of Nisto Consulting that specializes in the development and delivery of Indigenous awareness trainings to government, industry, agencies, schools, and businesses. You've participated in projects involving traditional land use studies and special places mapping and elders and community members interviews and film production and community event planning. And Holly, you've also have a proven facilitation background addressing topics such as cultural awareness and family violence, child abuse, drug and alcohol education, bullying, anger management and conflict resolution. Wow. It's incredible. Uh, Holly, you've been involved in the Alberta film industry since the 90s, so you were probably 11 when you started, is what, it doesn't say this here, Holly, but I'm going to say 11, <laughs> particularly in Indigenous-themed productions such as North of 60, and other film credits include the assassination of Jesse James with Brad Pitt, who honestly still is my, like, movie crush. Like, if I was going to say who's my crush, it is Brad Pitt, so I'm so jelly of you. Like, He's I a very nice very nice man oh is he he's sweet is he? i want to know like yeah he's, he's like a farm boy he's like a you know oh, really nice i feel like he has a tender heart he's even so tender jen he and angie and <laughs> now with j-lo come on you guys back to benifer i don't mean to get off but now he's benifer is back 
that's what I'm what I'm hearing. So he is sweet. He's Brad Pitt so is sweet. sweet. He is. Yeah, I worked with him I for six months. That. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> okay. Did you crush totally on him? Off t- no. <laughs> Sorry, no. Holly, did you? No, no, no. Okay, but he's just a sweet guy. Okay, that's that's good for me to know that the the crush I've had on him, that he's a nice guy. Yeah, he's such a nice guy. Yeah. Okay, and you've <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, back to your back to your bio. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and also, bury my heart at Wounded Knee and The Revenant. Can you say the same thing about Leo? Or I didn't. Or what do you say about Leo? He's um, an amazing. Both of them are the best actors. They're both amazing mm-hmm. on camera. Um, I didn't get to meet uh, um, DiCaprio. He was he's very um, focused. Um, mm-hmm. Brad Pitt is very, you know, always making sure everybody's okay. He would put parties on for the crew, rent out a whole restaurant, do, wow. give all the food and, um, mm-hmm. drinks for his crew. He's, so he was very, it's a little bit different, but they're both incredible on camera yeah. and actors and professionals. Yeah. Now, Holly, do you think we should invite Brad to a senior <laughs> love conference or party? <laughs> Do you think he would come? Yes, I think he would. <laughs> My husband in, in in the next room is just like, seriously, Melinda? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Holly. Oh, it's so great. We could talk about that. That's another show. Um, <laughs> Holly is also the recipient of the 2016 Institute for the Advancement of Aboriginal Women. Uh, can you pronounce this the Esqua? Or Esqueo, Esqua? which is the Cree word Esqueo. for woman. Oh, Esqueo. Yeah. Yes. Award for culture. Yeah. Beautiful. And 2018 Alberta Aboriginal Role Model Award. You are mama of one daughter, two sons, and a kokum to three granddaughters. Yeah. Is that super busy? How's that? It's <laughs> the best. It's medicine. They're medicine. They're my pandemic Is bunnies it? and buddies, and they're medicine. <laughs> okay. They're smarter than I am. That's for sure. <laughs> next generation. Next generation. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. So, Holly, welcome. Thank it's, you. I'm so glad to have you back um, on the show, and we're gonna have a lot of fun. Thank you so much. All right, Stephanie Joy Styers, born and raised in the beautiful Six Nations of the Grand River Territory. Uh, you are Mohawk from the Mohawk Turtle Clan and the president CEO of Marketplace Solution Inc. It's a First Nations consulting firm that specializes in community revitalization, right. leadership management training, and indigenous research. Come on, you two. So Why good. are you not like ruling Canada? Why are you not like there. prime We're ministers? Right? Okay, okay, oh, that's what I want to hear. Cause I'm like, really? Okay, the two of you. Stephanie, you have had 18, over 18 years of experience working with Six Nations Community, which again, you, you started like Holly at 11, started really working in employment and training, program evaluation, strategic planning. You've also worked for a number of government funding providers, such as Ministry of Training, colleges and universities. Wow. Ontario Library Association, Community Access Program, Indigenous Affairs and Northern Development Canada, Human Resource Development Canada, and you visited over 30 countries to learn of the culture and their ways of governance. You are focused on the return on investment for indigenous peoples of Turtle Island, Mm -hmm. as well as future indigenous generations to come. And in the spring of 2017, Stephanie, you recently completed your master's in public administration and governance at Queen's University. Wow. And you're presently completing. Are you presently or are you finished your no, PhD I'm in com- policy studies? I'm completing. I'm almost done. Two, okay. Like a couple Woo! more years. 
good for so you in policy proud studies. Of you. Yes, <laughs> public administration and governance at Ryerson University. I'm not kidding, ladies. Amazing. You're putting so many, I don't want to say putting us, so many of us to shame because I would never want to compare you with all the other women. That's not my heart. But I am really proud of the two of you. Thank you. That's a lot of hard work and focus. And I want to get into that a little bit more in your story. <laughs> but I'm just, thank you for being with us. And thank you. I, I kind of sit at the feet of <laughs> giants like you uh, in so many great areas. But, you know, this conversation, I really wanted to actually just call my two girlfriends together mm. To really just see how you're doing. I, I think that's really, you know, it's not a form. I don't want it to be like this formal interview. But I, I really, as a girlfriend, as, as sisters, that's what you would do. You would mm. call up your girlfriends and go, how are you doing? And in light of the latest news, in light of, you know, the discovery of 215 remains of children discovered at the resident, residential school uh, in Kamloops, B.C., I think for me as a woman, I want to first acknowledge and then and listen to your grief and anger and sadness. Um, so how are you doing? And, and just be honest. And not, I guess specifically with the news, but maybe just an overall. Holly, how are you doing? Yeah, I think that the first response when I heard it, um, I responded in the thoughts of a mother and a cookum, my grandmother. Um to the children that, you know, I don't know, we don't know what the causes of death are, but they didn't have a comfort of a mother or a mm -hmm. grandmother or their daddies, you know? And for, and then it went further. I started thinking about what about the other children? Did, you know, mm -hmm. they didn't have any, any help in their grief. They were probably so full of fear. They just, I can't imagine the horror that they went through. And you know who probably dug those graves? Other children. And mm -hmm. so I just think, but you know, honestly, we're not surprised. We know the stories. Um, when they destroyed my mom's residential school. So, you know, most residential schools have been destroyed by survivors out of a visceral reaction, you know, just out of their anger, their healing. And under my mom's residential school, there was baby bones found. So that means that they were mm -hmm. practicing um, infanticide with, with babies. Mm -hmm. And so we know the stories. And so I wasn't really surprised. But mm -hmm. what what has really surprised me, I'm not kidding, Mel, I have had thousands of messages this week um through instagram you know um linkedin phone calls and i just um can't keep up responding to everybody but the outpouring of allies like yourself i i really appreciate you even giving us a space to have this conversation you know allies that are saying you know um i don't know what to do story's not enough I don't know what to do and the thing that really has been my focus of course is always my family that's first always but also I have a lot of young indigenous women who are mothers young mothers um, and that are like just you know like Stephanie very successful and um, they they're saying I can't stop crying the grief it, I, it's just all the feels you know, we live in grief and trauma, but it's swelling right now. Like we go, you know, mm -hmm. it subsides and then it swells. And so I think that 
you know, it's really practice self-care. We have a cultural teaching of a wellness model, which is emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, of a medicine wheel where it's all connected. And I think we all really need at this time to highly look at all those components, make sure that we're taking care of ourselves, especially within our cultural ways. And so, um, yeah, it's been it's been a tough one. That's for sure. Thank you for asking. Thanks, Holly. Stephanie, how are you feeling doing today? Well, um, you know how you say share with your girlfriends and you just get around and talk? Well, I'd write a research paper. I'd put that together a PowerPoint, get on Zoom and teach. That's me. I'm weird. <laughs> but, you know, with this, I, I, I was horrified. However, I was not shocked. Why? Because during my studies in policy, you know, I, I learned about Duncan Scott. And he was a silver, civil servant who, in, who was involved in origin, Aboriginal affairs throughout his career. And he actually mandated the school atten, attendance in 1920. And he oversaw the operation of the residential schools. And one of his quotes was, I want to get rid of the Indian problem. Our objective is to continue until there is not a single Indian in Canada that has not been absorbed into the body politic and there is no Indian question and no Indian department that is the whole object of this bill. So for me, um, yeah, I was horrified. It was terrible. I've heard stories about children being killed, shot, murdered, raped, beaten, um, you know, for speaking their language, trying to practice their culture, wanting to be with their families. They've been um, so much trauma, so much trauma. And this is passed down to the next generations. And that trauma persists. And one thing about Pam Palmer that I remember, she's a big advocate and um, activist for Indigenous rights. She talked about how we respond to trauma. We don't lash out and hurt anyone. We hurt ourselves. So, you know, in this situation, we need comfort. We need you to sit with us and listen. Don't don't speak. You know, some some people are saying, oh, just get over it. Get over it. Well, how come we have to keep going through this? This is trauma. We all grieve differently. We all face these hardships differently. And, you know, I'm calling on Canadians to stand with us. You know, feel with us, cry with us, see through our eyes what we've experienced and just stand with us and say, you know what, we're going to fight for justice. We're going to fight to see this change because genocide mm -hmm. in Canada has to stop. We think it's something that isn't present today. It's still present today. You just don't see it. It's covered up mm -hmm. subtly mm -hmm. and you think that the governments and the institutions that you've trusted for so long are without fault, please, please educate yourself. Look mm -hmm. into the truth. Look for the truth. And then that's where the justice is going to come because then we'll yeah. stand up. If we're not a voice and don't stand up, it's going to continue. That's, you know, if you think we can just go on living our lives the same old way and doing the same old thing, that's insanity. It's not going to change. We need people mm -hmm. to band together for the cause.
Hey, it's Chris, friend of See Here Love with Melinda. Sorry to interrupt this conversation, but I just had to let you know that the only way that See Here Love gets to produce fun and authentic conversations like this one is through your financial donations. So go to seeherelove.com and click on the big donate button. Thanks for your support. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, that's really, it's hard to hear you guys. Mm. Like listening to your stories, I, like my heart actually is, is, is hurting in that, you know, that it wasn't, this is what I'm hearing from the two of you. It's not a surprise. No, this has been, and I think that's what makes my heart hurt is to have something happen over and over and over again. Mainstream has kind of caught on it for this story, but you and your people have been dealing with this for generations and generations, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you're, and you're, and you're, you've been speaking and saying the same thing and it's like, no one's listening. Mm-hmm. And I say that because I got this quote and I really want to ask you about this because it, 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 it kind of hits into what you both said, but also about being heard and how important that is. But, mm. um, from the assembly of first nations, national chief Perry Belgard, he said, quote, survivors have been telling these stories for years and no one has believed them. Mm. What Holly, when I say that, and Stephanie, I'll ask you the same question after Holly, but how does that make you feel when you hear that your thought, the truth, the importance of truth and history and belief? Like, I know it's a bigger question, but I, I'm just trying to understand and, and, and get to how you're feeling and, and your, your truth and experience. I feel like I've said that too, that, nobody was listening to me. I remember when I was a child Mm. and I was in school and I would be telling people and they thought that I was lying, um, that there was no such thing as a residential school. And, you know, I do Indigenous awareness and I literally have had thousands and thousands of people across Canada um, in my sessions. And I've had thousands and thousands of people say, I had no idea. I didn't know about that. And, you know, a few years ago, a commission that um, went across Canada, they were led by three incredible leaders that are lawyers. They had a whole team. They went across Canada and they listened to 7,000 survivor stories. And the reason we call them survivors is because 50% of the children that got taken never made it back home. Yeah. And so they listened to 7,000 stories in 300 communities. So this is different areas in Canada, different years, but their stories were all the same. I was at the unpacking of the report. I've studied it. And they said, you know, that the stories of home were those of love. They were loved. They were taken from perfectly okay homes. When they got apprehended, and that's where emotion came in the story, when they were kidnapped, Um, The experience in the school was that of neglect and abuse. And it wasn't just a priest or the male on the kids or the female on the kids. It was kids went after each other. It was, you know, people hurt others. And it was a very violent place for children. And when they came out, they really struggled. As a matter of fact, um, they say that 90% of residential school survivors have a mental illness, depression, anxiety, Of course, addictions, more Mm -hmm. severe forms. So what they did is they compiled this report and they presented it to Canada in 2015. Canada adopted it and they said, we're going to respond to the 94 calls to action. And, you know, we haven't really, it's reconciliation, but we really haven't seen reconciliation. Mm 
And so mm. we do know that only 10 of them have been completed. And so, you know, we, we saw that and it, you know, died down a little bit. And then we see the 215 graves, um, our children that, not graves, but 215 children that were buried. Um, and this story will, you know, eventually be not so much present as we see it today. But, mm. you know, I don't know when, I, I agree with uh, the National Chief. Like, we've been sharing these stories. And we just really want, you know, more response, just like Stephanie shared with us earlier. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Holly. Stephanie, your thoughts about that, that no one has believed them. And if, even in, it could be even no one has believed us. How does that make you feel when you hear this? I mean, you've been hearing this, but I think just informing me, because I'm just like, if, if I, I know the feeling when if so, I say something and someone doesn't believe me, how I feel. Right. Like what? Right. This is the truth. How do I have to convince you? It is, you know, and they're like, no, Melinda, no. Like I know that inner feeling, mm. the angst, the stress, the pain. Good, good so point. Stephanie, what, what, yeah. What are your well, thoughts on this? For me, I understand that why people don't want to admit it or say that it's happened or chime in and say, you know what? We really feel for you. That's horrific. That's happening. And it's still going on today because it tarnishes Canada's reputation. It tarnishes oh. Canadians' reputation. It says, this is what happened. You were part of it. You're part of the, pollu po the problem, not the solution. Um, and if you're, if you're not vocalizing um, against these injustices, then are you part of the solution or are you part of the problem? You know, mm -hmm. these are really hard areas to um, grapple with, hard truths to grapple with. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay. I understand because if it were, if I were white, non-Indigenous, and I was on the other side, I would be, I would probably feel the same way. You know, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. um, right? I, I would probably feel the same way. But my, my moccasins are on the other shoe, on the other foot. I'm indigenous, so I have to work through this. My grandmother was in residential school. And, um, you know, she talked about the horrifics of it to family, never to me. I didn't know about it till just recently um, that that was shared with me. But I know other people who were in residential school who talked to me about it because I want to know. I want. I wanted to know what happened, and they would talk about um, seeing. Sorry, seeing the children being murdered. You know, one nun kicked a five-year-old in the throat, and she died on the spot. And they told them the children to just walk over her and go to class. Like this is horrific. And people have already been advocating to check all, way before these graves were found, were advocating for, um, you know, the government to check the sites, the residential school sites, for bodies, for graves of our children. At Where I live, we're close to um, the Mohawk Institute. And there it was said that the kids that were killed or died, um, they were buried and a tree was buried over them. 
And you know what? There's many trees there. There's many trees there. And I think it's time and, and, you know, for us to find our children, all of our children, and bring them home. You know, there was something I seen on Facebook, and it was a quote, and somebody was saying, you know, they just, when these this grave was opened up, you know, one of the little children said, they finally found us. We can go home. Like, you know, they never actually heard the voice, but it's a picture. It's a picture. Mm-hmm. It's something that should tug at everyone's heart. I mean, these were children. They're, they're helpless, vulnerable. They, they trust us as adults to take care of them. And they were denied that. Mm-hmm. Wow, Stephanie, that's so powerful. You know, I think I agree with you so much. Like, I'm just loving what you're saying. It's so powerful. And it's a hard truth. And, you know, Canada takes great pride and we are known globally for being nice. We're not nice. Our nation has children from coast to coast to coast that were stolen and, you know, neglected, abused and buried across our nation. And that's what we built Canada on. And, you know, racism is an uncomfortable conversation because even a racist will say, well, I'm not racist because I don't wear a white Mm -hmm. hood or whatever it is. But we have to, you know, go beyond that. We have to be actively anti-racist. We have to do the work. We have to learn the truth as hard as it may be. And Mm -hmm. it's such an uncomfortable conversation. Canadians, we get that you're uncomfortable, but we've been living with that uncomfort for generations. And it's time to heal. It's time to heal together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's a lot. It's a lot. Like, I'm feeling a lot. And then I'm thinking, and you, you and your families and generations have carried a lot. Like, I think these conversations should be in every conversation for people to listen and... Wow. I, I do I have wanna, to say to oh, Mel, ahead. like, I thank you for just saying that because, you know, a lot of people have been reaching out to me and saying, I just feel so bad and I'm sorry and what can I do? And I'm just like, I just, just sit with us. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't comfort you right now. I'm going through a lot myself, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? But people have been yeah. actually like calling me. Um, and a lot of my messages I'm not responding to if they have that, that, that attitude in it. I'm thinking, I can't help you right now. Read the room. Mm-hmm. We're going, I'm trying to just comfort my sisters, my, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, like, like mm-hmm. yourselves, like people that I care for and my family, of course. So thank you for just saying that you are feeling this and you're sitting with us and you want to hear. That's the, that's perfect thank you yes that's amazing that i think that's Mm -hmm. what we're looking for is that support you know Mm -hmm. like i said there's been a lot of injustices they're still occurring you know subtly and it's time to educate ourselves even even my our people as indigenous people we need to know the facts we need to go Mm -hmm. in with the ammunition to 
to I don't I don't like to say like to say fight, but to stand yes. up, to stand up for mm. justice. You know, we're we're a very humble people, peaceful people, kind, loving, you know, and yeah. And that's honorable, honorable and respectful. But you know when these things happen, we can only take so much. And I know it's an attempt to break the spirit and to break us. But God created us, the creator, Swan Diesel created us for a reason. We are here for a reason. We have purpose and we belong here. And Turtle Island is where he put us. We didn't come here and discover. We were here. He put us here. Mm. And I celebrate that. And I love that, you know, I'm North American. I love it. Mm. And it, 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 every cell in my body loves it. And, and I know my ancestors, our ancestors are here guiding the way and the truth and showing us the path that we must follow to be strong and to seek that justice. And we will one day embrace the justice. We just need to stand together in unity and power. You know, and I think that um, that's so powerful. I just wanted to add that, you know, after 150 years of colonization and unilateral decision-making by the federal government, um, we're so kind, Yep. and generous mm-hmm. and full of humor in our <laughs> communities there's so much laughter we're highly successful we're resilient mm-hmm. we're determined you know after all that yep. we still are practicing our indigenous way of knowing way of being and we have that beauty it makes me so proud wow. I'm yeah. very proud like even just hearing, I, because in all the conversation and what you, your families have been through, you would think it's so justifiable to yeah. not be funny anymore, to be kind or to be generous or to continue the way, right? Mm-hmm. Because we've seen many people do that. Mm-hmm. It's justifiable, so I'm going to be a different way. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, and that's a that is that's absolutely beautiful. That's a testament mm-hmm. to you and your communities and your families and the generations. Mm. And I think that's the thing. I think I wish more people knew more indigenous people. I I feel like that's one thing I, I have had conversations with girlfriends where it's like, we need to know, we Mm. need to have friendships, deep friendships over dinners and conversations so that we know one another and we don't assume things about one another and we don't, have stereotypes about one another. It, it's when you get to know somebody that it changes everything. When yes. you actually get to know them as a person, their lives and their loves and passions, that's when everything changes. Everything yeah. changes. Exactly. Yes. Everyone's yeah. reality is different. Everyone's truth is different. Everyone's belief is different. You know, and to embrace that, to learn from that, to support that, and to encourage that is beautiful. Like with the Charter of Rights, I think it is, you know, talks about being us, us being a mosaic mm. country. Mm. Well, you know what? That's wonderful. But we need to start with our own 
indigenous peoples, the North American indigenous people first. You have to embrace there. When you he- you come here to Canada, you know, yes, you're you're you can practice whatever religion, your culture, your language, all of that. It's so beautiful. You know, that was that was something that was tr- what the government um, tried to steal from us. And we're trying to actually v- revitalize it today. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to, um, you know, because it's part of our identity, who we are. I know growing up, for me, I, I, I wasn't as strong a person until I started to lang- learn my language, my culture, my, the traditional ways. And then, and the truth, the truth. Mm-hmm. And then that's when there was this fire that came within me that burns so strong today that I can't put it out. Mm -hmm. And I just have to speak the truth. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, speaking of, you know, Stephanie, as you were sharing a little bit about your life, I want to hear about your lives. I think I love actually with all of my girlfriends you know, I, it's interesting. Growing up, I never had a lot of girlfriends. I was a guy's girl. Do you know what I'm saying? It was easy to be with guys, hang out with guys. They're so easy. You have a fight, and then they're like, ah, yeah, we're cool. Whereas girls would have grudges for yeah. years. So I just stayed away from women. I'm not kidding. I was just like, it's so much easier to hang out with the boys. But here's what you know, right? You start hanging out with the boys. The girls get jealous because you're hanging out with the boys. And you're like, but I don't like hanging out with you. Boys are easier. Like, it, it's a mad cycle and circle. But one of the things that helped me finally get girlfriends was I actually was encouraged. I'm your girlfriend. I'll be your girlfriend. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. But one of the things. Yes, please. Yeah, we're done. This is it. Here it is. The three of us forever. Um, I'm going to get it like tattooed all the way down my yard. Holly and Steph and Mel forever. (laughs) Um, But one of the things I was encouraged to do was actually hear about them know about them Mm. versus i always make assumptions so i'd stay away from them but one of the encouragements was Mm. hear their story where do they come from what do they like what was and i was like oh they're like yeah ma that will change everything about how you develop girlfriend relationships is that amazing now you have you're making it a living you're doing (laughs) this is your business Wow. Isn't it so ironic? That's crazy. Thanks, Alanis. Thanks, Alanis Morissette. Isn't it so ironic <laughs> that my life has turned from don't like girls and only yeah. have guys. Okay, I've got I've got a woman show. That's true. It's a good point, Holly. Yeah. I never saw that connection. I love it. That's a title of your next, <laughs> next book. It is, totally. Um, ironic. That's it. The book's going to be called Ironic. <laughs> Hey, it's Chris, friend of See, Here Love with Melinda. Sorry to interrupt this conversation, but I just had to let you know that the only way that See, Here Love gets to produce fun and authentic conversations like this one is through your financial donations. So go to seeherelove.com and click on the big donate button. Thanks for your support. Let's get back to the show. I think part of it is just to know your story. So Holly, I know that, I mean, we could have 10 hours to share, but mm. I think just for myself and even for our listeners and, and, and viewers even to just hear about your life and story, where you come from, your journey and sort of where, how that sort of shaped you mm-hmm. into the woman that you are today and what you're doing. So let's start with you and then Steph, Stephanie, I'll ask you the same after Holly, but yeah, we'll just listen and sort of lean in to hear about you. Yeah. Well, thank you for asking that. Um, you know, uh, 
we're Cree and Dene from Fort Mackay. Our traditional territory is north of Fort McMurray. And my mother spent the first six years of her life, like I said, being totally loved. She didn't speak a word of English, living totally off the land. So she's the truest Canadian there is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was mm-hmm. totally traditional. But because of that government policy that Stephanie was talking about, that it was the law that Indian children were to go to Indian residential schools. CRCMP came um, by dog team. It was it was <clears throat> Christmas tra- time, so the river was frozen. And they came and they took my mother and her two sisters, of course, by force, kicking, screaming. It was really emotional and took them away. So my mother was six. My auntie was eight. The little auntie was four. So can you imagine someone knocking on the door and taking your children? And that's exactly what happened. The community was so full of grief and they had no idea where they went. And of course, the little girls, once they got to Gruard Indian Residential School, they had no idea where home was. Um, And the conditions there were horrific and neglect and abuse in every way. And when you're 18, your funding gets cut off. So they actually put you on a bus and your ticket takes you to Edmonton. So my mom gets off on the streets of Edmonton. She has no support, no money, no skills, no self-esteem. And so she said that most of those survivors on those little kids ended up as skid row casualties. Many of them end up with prison because they were charged with vagrancy. And um, a lot of them commit suicide. So long story short, here my mom um, meets my dad and who was a geologist working with her cousins up in the oil sands because they knew the land so well. And he was doing the early exploration work in geology. And so he would hire them because they were experts on the land. And he developed this great friendship and he had heard about the little girl. So every time he was in Edmonton, he kept an eye out for her. And love healed my mom. So, um, so... I have two brothers that are twins, and the three of us, raised by those two, we were soaked in the culture. My dad, they wanted to do the opposite of Indian residential school, where they took out the culture. They wanted to put us in the culture. And the other thing was my mom was highly driven. I don't know where her determination, her feistiness, her resiliency comes from, but she had an incredible resume. She started giving back. And I remember back in the day, you know, we weren't even allowed to go to university. And I started, yeah, we weren't allowed to attend a post-secondary university. And the other thing is we were uh, under the Canadian Indian Act, which was created in 1876. There were so many rules of oppression in there, but it also said that we couldn't buy or sell. So that means we couldn't have a job or we couldn't be business people. So we don't have generational wealth, right? We don't have that. Um, that's why poverty is our biggest issue in our communities. And so, um, you know, all of a sudden I started seeing entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. I started seeing people go to university. Um, and my family pushed me. I, when I was very, very young, already thinking of business ideas, um, I started working at a young age and I just really wanted to be a mom and be domestic and just, you know, my mom wasn't that domestic and a mom, of course she wasn't, look who she was raised with, right? And mm-hmm. I was just like, I just want, but they really pushed me, which was so great. And, but I had a lot of anger and I had a lot of hurt from our history. And I was, um, you know, 
I just didn't like white people. I have to admit it. And I just, mm. you know, the other thing is, is that sometimes I was even ashamed of our history and that reflected on, I don't feel so good about myself. And mm. so, um, when I was about 20 years old, um, I, um, started a, a brand new journey of faith. Um, I became a follower of Jesus and I just started reading scripture and I really saw scripture and I found some really traditional people that we'd sit on, you know, especially my um, Lakota uh, or Nakota adopted grandparents. And they just said how amazing it is to be an Indigenous person and follow Creator. And they would share all that. And I really did work well on my wellness and my healing. And I just think it's so beautiful for me that I realize that the more forward I move, I'm bringing my whole little tribe with me. And success breeds success. When one of us makes it, there's a whole bunch of young'uns watching. And so, you know, I've really worked hard. But also, you know, I realized that, um, you know, it, it wasn't easy. It, it, it wasn't an easy path. And so sometimes I just have to look at myself and go, okay, I'm proud of myself. You did good, Holly. <laughs> you know, I just hearing you gush over me this morning, I'm like, and just reading my bio, I was like, oh, that's pretty awesome, really. Like, like yes. damn, we're dead. Woo! We're deadly after we make it through all that stuff. But so yeah, that's my little story, you know. And and um, I just want to say thank you for letting me share that because it's really an incredible, um, just like what you shared, Mel. You can take something that is happened to you that is you know can be seen as negative but that doesn't define you you can create something else you know mm -hmm. um through opportunities that come to you for choices that you make whatever it may be we may all move forward and uh i think i'm living testament testament to that and so are my mm -hmm. children i remember the day that my daughter became a lawyer we were in the courthouse and the judge that day said this is a big deal in Canada. You know why? Her granny is sitting in court. And her granny was a truce Canadian living on the land. But because of a government policy, she spent 13 years in, in residential school. That has now been classified as a cultural genocide. And when she came out, she couldn't go to university. And she couldn't hire a lawyer. But today, her mm -hmm. granddaughter is going to be a lawyer. Oh, yeah. And so oh. that's, you know, and the, wow. for my granddaughters, that's really the norm. My, when I was on CTV um, the other morning, my granddaughters watched it and they sent me a text and they were like, Cookham, you were really good on TV today. We're so happy. <laughs> they think it's normal. <laughs> they, think it's, they think this is like, you know, but we worked hard to get here, right? So Amazing. <laughs> I, I know too, wow, Holly, I know too that you did a, a documentary about your mom. Yeah, I did. If you want, I think people are going to be like the story of your mother coming <laughs> out of residential school and then being so driven because the Amazing. story could have gone very differently. Her life could have gone very differently based on when she left and, and what she decided to do or choose to do. She's amazing. Um, you can find it on YouTube. It's called a mother's voice. And honestly, that's a perfect title because my mom was not allowed to speak her language. So that means she couldn't speak for years, right? She's a little girl. She can't speak. And she couldn't even comfort her sisters or speak to her sisters. That was forbidden. 
And anytime the kids say, ow, or that hurts, or don't do that, or they had any emotion, they were like, don't say that. Mm. But now we have a voice. Look at we're, we have a voice now. And so um, I really wanted to share my mom's story, a mother's voice. And that's on YouTube. On YouTube, yeah. So proud of you, Holly. Mm-hmm. Again, so I think it's Thank so you. important about choices and decisions. Mm-hmm. I think what you said is that you don't, you know, many people have allowed past and hurt to define future and who they are, who are they, who they are going to be. And as I'm listening to your story, one of the things that keeps coming to me is, no, you know, from your mom, dad, you, family, you 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 changed that Mm. you know you didn't live in that space and and blame and it it was no now we're going to kind of move forward and the you know granddaughter as a lawyer and your mom it it's incredible you know it's um, an incredible story i because i worked in film for a long time as you know an actor a wrangler a stand-in a stunt person um just doing the work that i'm doing now i just really want to share stories still we're storytellers as you can see um and film has a far reach so i created a film company and just this morning i was editing a film that we're producing on um this incredible human uh that is from sotina his name is brent dodging horse and we're doing a documentary about him that because he was a professional hockey player and so i was editing it this morning and that his approach is the same we don't fight we educate. Mm-hmm. That's that's our way, mm-hmm. is, um, mm-hmm. you know, to share that, to share those stories, and it was so timely because before the two hundred fifteen children bones were found, Ethan Bear, who plays professional hockey for the Edmonton Oilers, received you know a, just a a ton of racism towards him, mm-hmm. and we were like that triggered all of us. This is before the 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 finding at Kamloops we were all like oh my god it's still going on and we took pride like here's this young man that we're so proud of and we felt so Mm -hmm. protective of him and so you know we wanted we had like in a week to incorporate that in this edit of the documentary because we're like this stuff triggers us it's a well-worn path for us and Mm -hmm. so you know I just keep being in awe of our people every time I hear us talk and we're so generous mm-hmm. and yeah. kind in our approach. I love it. Fantastic. What a story, Holly. Amazing. So great and inspiring. Mm-hmm. Stephanie, let's hear a, a, a bit of your story and how you came to being this passionate advocate <laughs> and boss, boss woman that you are. So yeah. Uh, tell us a, about your background. Well, thank you so much for allowing me to share. And um, so my paradigm is a tad bit different. Um, So I was raised on Six Nations and I didn't have parents who went to residential school. Um, I think, you know, I'm grateful for that. I, you know, I wouldn't want anyone to have to experience that um, because it's so horrific. Sorry, I'm real emotional, but it's just yeah, it's okay. uh, just bear with me. Um, <clears throat> but I know that my grandmother 
she would talk about the red coats were coming and she'd have to hide and they would hide her because they knew if my grandmother was out on the street or or just in the yard you know they would just take her they would take wouldn't ask questions nothing just take her so my grandma always talked about that um i had i was blessed to know my great duda so i would sit with my great duda and she'd be in a rocking chair and she'd have a long silver braid. She was beautiful and she'd talk Mohawk. She'd speak Mohawk. I didn't know Mohawk. I was only, I was probably three or four. And my grandma said I would listen and I, I would talk back with her, like talk to her in Mohawk. I'm like, really, Grandma? You know, I'd be so excited. But then when we got to school age, um, you know, I'd hear my grandma speak in Mohawk. And then I'd be like, Grandma, what are you saying? Grandma, teach me. And and my grandma would go, quiet. No, she wouldn't teach me. And I know she was trying to protect me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really difficult, you know, to look back now. Because I didn't know. I didn't know about residential school. I didn't know about traditional teachings. Uh, you know, my, I was Christianized from a little girl, from five years old. I, all I know, both sides, my mom, my dad's side, Christian. That's all I knew. I, I love white people. I love black people. I loved everyone. I thought everyone loved me. <laughs> um, you know, it was just, it, it, it was amazing, amazing growing up because the elders, um, my great aunties, my great uncles, you know, they were all part of the church, and I'd hang with them all the time. They'd always want me to come home with them and spend time with them, and they'd teach me things. It was beautiful. You know, then my mom and dad divorced. My dad raised us, believe it or not. Not my mom, my dad. And my dad mm-hmm. taught us to be strong, women, us women to be strong. We're from a matriarch society where the women are the leaders, and the women are the ones who make the big decisions. And so that was instilled in me. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I'm kind of a strong voice, strong person. I maybe get a little too strong, but you know what? It's something that I I was gifted with from the creator from Swan D. So, and I have to embrace it and I have to let it flow. Um, Yes. And... My dad, he was very smart. My dad was a genius, a literal genius. And so he went through school and he also ran businesses on the side where he'd get people jobs with him to do like cultural field work. And then they divide the, the money, the profit. And um, he actually got a scholarship to a university. I'm not going to say the name because I've got a story for it about it. And um, my dad, so he went to study mechanical engineering. And when he was there, he'd write perfect papers, like, you know, math and all that stuff. And uh, the professor said, I can't give you a perfect mark. No one gets a perfect mark. (laughs) And so my dad was like, okay, that's fine, whatever, you know. And then Mm -hmm. he would be going to school there. And he'd get caught in the stairway of this university and non-Indigenous people like guys would beat him up because they didn't want my dad to succeed. And my dad just went through it anyhow. My dad 
you know, he's passed now, but God rest his soul, he was an international consultant in mechanical engineering for industry, big industry, like Georgia Pacific and Domtar and those big industry. He went around the world. He was asked by Beijing, China to stay and what would he want? Do you want a mansion? Do you, how many wives do you want? You want a driver? Mm-hmm. He was promised all these things if my dad would stay and my dad said, no, I, I love my family. <laughs> you know, my dad could walk into a, a big place like industrial, I don't even know, I can't remember what he called them, but a drying mill. And just by the sound, he knew exactly what was wrong. And he mm. could fix it like that and save them millions of dollars. Like, wow. that's my dad. And mm. so growing up, he pretty much told us, you know, don't count on a man. You count on yourself. Make your own money. You move forward. And when, the other big thing, so he was a big influence with me in my life. My mom mm-hmm. as well, because she taught me just love, just love everyone, which, you know, I try to do. It's hard. Um, <laughs> it is hard. It's difficult. Yes, right? it is hard. But I, All of us are like, yes. <laughs> right? So, and the other big influence in my life was um, my director when I worked at Grand River Employment Training. And she had a lot of traditional tr- uh, teaching come into the workplace, had people come in to teach us the language. She would come at things, business, and, and moving our community forward from a perspective of, of our ways, our no, our ways of knowing, our ways of being. And mm-hmm. for me, it was just so um, enlightening. She was the one who first helped me to understand what happened about residential school, failed government policy, all these things. And so then I went into, um, decided at my job that I'm going to write work on another degree. And then here I am today working on my PhD because as Amazing. I worked through this, you know, I began to know who mm-hmm. I was. My identity was secure. I, w- I felt stronger than I've ever felt in my life. And so now mm-hmm. I feel that it's my calling to pass that knowledge down. I work with youth a lot and talk about failed government policy, why we are where we are. What can we do to move our people forward? What can we do? Mm-hmm. How can we do that? So, um, yeah, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Wow. You know, there's a lot as I'm listening to you about, you know, mom and dad, you know, that's been something that, you know, I just realized how important the older generations, Mm -hmm. mom and dad, parental figures are, you know, as I listen to both of your stories, your mom and dad were key Mm -hmm. in seeing you and making changes and encouraging and championing you. Right. Yeah. Um, The same as me. My dad, you know, here I am like four foot nothing. And I'm like, dad, I want to be a basketball player. I want to be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and, and, you know, Dr. J. And my dad's like, okay, I'll put up a basketball net for you, Mel. I'm not joking. Then I wanted to be Tony Hawk and be a famous skateboarding success. I'm not kidding. So my dad made me a skateboarding ramp in the backyard. Then I wanted to be Pele, the most, the famous soccer player in the world. Out came the soccer like goal, like, and and I think him and my mom laughed a lot because 
you know, they're like, well, I don't think she's going to be the best. But here's the thing what that did for me. <laughs> it, like, it, honestly, I mean, everything I thought I could do, really. Mm-hmm. But what that meant was it built a confidence in a young girl. Mm-hmm. who's adopted, who really had the world against her in a lot of, in a lot of ways back then. Mm. And it actually built into me this confidence that, you know, when people believe in you and you can do it, you can do it, you can go for it. Uh, it I think that's that was key in my own self-esteem and building mm-hmm. and who I am. And even what I'm doing now, my dad and mom, both, you know, teachers, broadcasters, people in media, wow. uh, you know, seeing that modeled so strongly, I think that, that, definitely brought me to where I am today. But I just love the presence of your parents. Yes. And the influence on you. One thing I forgot to mention was my dad, since we were five, made us plan our life out. (laughs) It was like... As as one does, as one does at five. Yeah, Yeah. right. Even if it was a trip to Canada's Wonderland, you know, we had to plan it right out. And it was like, oh my gosh, but it taught a lot. I'm a real planner today. Still, wow, that's good. I'm gonna do that with my granddaughters. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that tip. Life hack. Yeah, yeah. So hearing about your lives, yeah, I, you know, I, uh, I know this could be another show. So just really (laughs) one thing that, as an Indigenous woman, um, what can we as women leaders, women influencers, women? Um, learn from you just a, a life lesson something that you have just one thing you've really taken along the way a motto a saying uh scripture whatever it is that you're like this is what's really grounded me or helped me or or influenced me holly what would you say i would say it's not selfish to put yourself first you can't pour from an empty, oh, empty cup yeah. it's not selfish mm-hmm. you have yeah. you have to put yourself first i think if you love creator, you love yourself, everything's going to work out for you. But it's Mm -hmm. really about self love. You know, be gentle on your just, just the same way that we love our children, my grandchildren, love Mm -hmm. yourself in that same Mm -hmm. manner. I love that. And I think that's in any, you know, the the visual where if there's an airplane crisis or anything, Mom always puts on, right, the oxygen mask first so she can help her children versus the other way around. And so I I think, and that's hard. That's a good one, Holly, because it's hard. Like you always, a lot of mothers and women say it's always about others giving out to others and there's nothing here. And how can you serve and lead empty and dry and on fumes? You've got to make sure that you're filling yourself up. You're loving yourself, you know, being kind to yourself, speaking kindly to yourself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I love that. Stephanie, what about you? Um, A life lesson. (laughs) I think I'm going to kind of build on Holly's comment. And that's because I, I want to honor my mother as well. Um, My mom, she was cut from a different cloth. I'm telling you, she was Mohawk as well. And um, she, (laughs) So I'd go have a lot of struggles during teenage years because I had to go to school off reserve. And so I wasn't treated really great sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and so I'd come home and I'd share some, well, my parents were divorced. So at some points I'd go to my mom's and I'd share with my mom what was going on, hoping my mom would chime in with me, you know, like, yeah, oh, they're mm-hmm. terrible. Oh, my gosh. I guess that's what I needed as a teen. I don't know. But and then my mom, I, she would shock me because she would say, oh, babe, 
oh, babe, oh, babe. And I'm like, oh, yeah, mom, what? But she goes, just love. I'm like, mom, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> and I'd walk down the can, right, or whatever was there. I would be so angry. Why can't she see it from my paradigm, from my perspective? Mom, what are you saying? You know, and so... Mm. Now it's really crazy because I'm going through life and you know what? There's some situations you find yourself in where that rises up that evil Stephanie wants to come out <laughs> and say mm-hmm. not so nice things. But here's my mom in my ear. Babe, babe, just babe, me. just love. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh so my God. And so it, 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 it like, you know, turns me and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, mom. Yes, yes. And then it it, it calms me down and I just love, I proceed with love. And it's so funny because I'd walk into the room, me and maybe my sister, my brother and I, and maybe we're, you know, being mean to each other or saying not so nice things. My mom would be lying on the couch and we'd walk in and my, and we knew we weren't, you know, doing the right thing. And my mom would just give us the look like, and then we'd turn, boom turn into these angel children <laughs> and it yeah, was just yeah. like just and we knew the next thing was gonna be babe 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 just love <laughs> so good words i mean that is that is the way of as we follow jesus that is the countercultural way of living and it's yeah. hard it's so hard and and that's <laughs> That's the truth. I mean, you know, I I think of the life of Jesus. I mean, can you Mm -hmm. imagine all the stuff that's happening to him and Mm -hmm. his father saying, just love? Come on. (laughs) Every time I put myself in Jesus place, I'm like, really? These people, not only these disciples I have that just can't, can't stay awake, (laughs) don't know who I am, argue about who's going to be on my right (laughs) and left. Who's my favorite? Come on. You know, I, I think the same thing, but that is the call. It is, is to love, yeah. right? Is to okay. love ourselves, is to love others, to love creator. It's yeah. to love. Mm-hmm. And I think, imagine if we all chose and decided that what, <sighs> honestly, the, the world would be like. Oh, yeah. We don't have a lot of time left, so I want to circle back because we started off with how you're feeling today about the latest news mm-hmm. um, with the 215 remains of children found at the residential school in Kamloops. And hearing your honest thoughts. And so I want to end with how I can be an ally, how I can be a support to you. And uh, maybe you can give two each from two points each from you, but just practical things or just encouragements on how I can better support you, stand with you, speak for you, support you in any way. So Holly, why don't we start with you? What can I do? Yeah, so this is a really big thing that I do in my awareness training, where people are like, what do we do? How can I help? Mm-hmm. You know what? And, pe- and the people, especially this week, have been reaching out like, what can I do? The Truth and Reconciliation Commission has 94 calls to action. So start by reading that document. Um, you can get it online, you can get the book. But let's remember that the part of reconciliation, because reconciliation is a buzzword, Part of it is a truth. So learn the truth. Mm-hmm. Whatever interests you, type it in if you're getting you know your books, your podcasts, your audiobooks, listen to our music, buy our art, mm-hmm. start, you know, um, 
appreciating our culture. Um, the thing with the rule with art is buy from inspired Indigenous, not Indigenous inspired. Therefore, you're appreciating culture, not appropriating culture. Go to museums and cultural centers to learn not just about our history, but our collective history. Um, take courses. And I think that we need to start, um, stop saying, let's stop saying, what can I do for Indigenous people? Mm-hmm. And let's start saying, what can I learn from Indigenous people? We have a rich mm-hmm. culture, and we are not a problem to be solved. Mm-hmm. And I know that there is this history. I know there. I, it's so, like amplified today because of what happened uh, the findings in Kamloops but let's not focus on the struggle let's focus at the successes we are amazing I research um, Mm -hmm. success not just in business but in athletics science music um, uh, you know all different uh, areas where we have done really well and because whatever you focus on gets bigger right and if you ever hear anybody talking negatively about an indigenous issue, yeah. person, or community, let's change the narrative. And I would just say um, the biggest thing, you know, I've been, you know how you have a word? During the pandemic, my word has been shalom, which means mm-hmm. peace, blessing, wellness. Mm-hmm. And I'm praying for shalom for indigenous people. That's my focus right now, mm. praying for shalom. Yeah, I want to join you in that. Mm. I would definitely do that in prayer. But those are great things. Mm. Holly, um, practical things instead of what can I do? What, how can I learn? What can I learn? Reconciliation starts with me. Love that. Starts can, me. Yeah. We all say that. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank you. Stephanie, just some last two points. What, what can I learn from you? How can I be a good ally and friend to you? I think just learn, share, celebrate. So learn from, you know, us as a people, just like Holly was saying, um, tap into those free courses. University of Alberta has some free courses that are out there that are great. Also, Pampometer. Oh, my gosh. She has all kinds of YouTube videos. Cindy Blackstock. Um, mm-hmm. There's so many Indigenous champions that are out mm-hmm. there that you need to tap into read those educational academic articles you know yeah they're hard to digest but sometimes you can find um someone who just kind of summarizes it for you and that's sometimes Mm -hmm. easy easier um and when you learn these things and like holly said and you hear someone talking negatively about first nations inuit or metis people step up and say hey why are you saying that? What can we have a conversation around that? Why are why do you think that? Help me understand mm-hmm. why you're saying that. You know, so then they'll share because that thinking, that mindset has come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's our institutions because it was all set up by colonizers, whether it's that that's manifesting in that mind of theirs or what it is, maybe it's they're not educated. You know, and you provide solutions for them to become educated and provide, Mm -hmm. share your understanding, you know, and also, you know, if there are some events going on with Indigenous people, maybe there is a protest. Go there. Stand there. Just stand. Mm -hmm. Just stand with with us. Mm -hmm. And another Mm -hmm. big thing is also when these events are happening, like when they had 
the different churches and, and institutes when these these children were found, the 215 children were found and they were put in the shoes on these establishments. You know, I had a doctor's appointment for because of my eyes. I had surgery in Dundas, which is, you know, 25 minutes from me. And I pulled around the corner. I began to cry because right as I was turning, I seen the public library had yeah. these sh- 250 shoes in remembrance mm-hmm. of our children, our children that were lost and need to be, be brought home. That was there. You know, you can do what you need to do. Put up a sign it, in your window. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> do what, whatever yeah. comes to your heart when you're reflecting on this. Do it. You know, and and just mm-hmm. use your good mind. Good mind teaching is one of our philosophies, and we always mm-hmm. think seven generations ahead and make those decisions based on that. Mm-hmm. So think about that when you're thinking about mm-hmm. celebrate, celebrate that you know you're here with us. We don't call you immigrants. We don't call you settlers. <laughs> That's not what we called you when you got here. We called you brothers and sisters. And we love right. you and we embraced you. We taught you to survive here. And you mm. know what? We want that beautiful, loving relationship. And as my mom said, babe, babe, mm. babe, just love. <laughs> love. Amazing. <laughs> Stephanie, I love that. Well, Holly Forche and Stephanie Joy Styers, I, I could chat with you all day, uh, but we've got work to do. There's lots of work for us to do. There is. And so I just want to thank you so much for being with me, for sharing so honestly your stories, um, your your thoughts and wisdom, your learnings. Uh, There was so much that I was learning. I was writing tons of notes on my paper. But I want to leave you with this, that, you know, we acknowledge your history Hmm. and we love you. You know, we support you, we stand with you. And I hope that as people are listening and watching, and even for myself, that we will make key and courageous and brave, Mm. loving choices for you, for you. And so, and for your kids and the generations to come. And so Mm. I I thank you. I'm humbled, deeply honored that you spent this time with me. Mm. And um, yeah, shalom to you. God bless you. Mm. And so much love to you. So thank you so much. Thank you for creating this space for us. Thank you for being an ally. I appreciate you so much, Mel. Yes. And so nice to to meet you, Stephanie. I just really enjoyed hearing from you as well. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was great to meet you as well, Holly. And I just want to say, you know, another thing my mom said was when you love, it's not work. It's love. <laughs> it's not work. Yeah. So maybe good. we need to change our mindset and just operate from love, from that good mind and just know, you know, yeah. that's Mohawk for love. And, mm, yeah. you know, even that's if you good. learn that one yeah. word and it's and speak it out, you know, Gunalunkwa, that's love in Mohawk, but Nyawa for inviting me. I, I had a great time and I actually, I yes. feel better knowing that this message is going out in this mm-hmm. very, very, very delicate time yeah. and yet horrific time that we're all yeah. walking through together. So together it is. Thank you guys so much. Um, And we will talk soon. Thanks again. Thanks.
See Here Love with Melinda Estabrooks is a production of Crossroads Christian Communications Incorporated, a member of the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. To support this program, please visit seeherelove.com and click the donate button or call 1-800-265-3100. And from me and the See Here Love team, thanks so much for your support.